Well, at this time, it's, I get the great pleasure of introducing um, my Uncle Bobby. And now he's your uncle. Your Uncle Bobby, too. But before I do that, I just want to say um, that Easter really is important. Amen. I want to tell you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important event that has ever happened in all of human history. Easter even is greater than Christmas. Why do I say that? Because even if Jesus was born of a virgin, according to the scriptures, even if he was raised and lived a sinless life, even if he went to the cross and died for our sins, it all would be for naught if it wasn't for Sunday. If it wasn't for the resurrection. And today we live and move and have our being in light of the resurrection of Christ. It says this in um, 1 Corinthians 15 Uh, verses 12 to 20. I'll just read it to you. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even the Christ, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. And verse 20 says this. But Christ has indeed been raised. In December of 2008, I was working for one of Canada's telecommunications companies. I was working at night and Cecilia and I were going to be married uh, in 2009 and we were praying And this is when Uncle Bobby had uh, gotten sick and was in the hospital. And uh, we were praying and praying and praying. And I know his whole church was praying for him. And um, uh, we as a family, internationally, people were praying for him. And uh, this is something that actually never happened to me before. But I told Cecilia on the phone, we, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And it was as if when I was praying, I got the sense inside of me that... We were heard in heaven. Those of you who have prayed through, you know what I'm talking about. And it was like, yep, request received. That's basically the the sentiment that I I sensed. So I told Cecilia on the phone, I said, we can stop praying. Bobby will rise. And he had already been declared dead a couple times. And we don't have time to show the the video today, but I just want to tell you, and, and Bobby also doesn't have time to go into all the story today because we want to celebrate Jesus. Why don't you welcome Uncle Bobby as he comes.
many people really think incorrectly when they feel like it was them who set the date that they will be called by God. Today you're here. It's not because God is cornering you, but because God is making an appointment with you. If the Queen of England <laughs> will say, have tea with me tomorrow, would you come? So, um, Resurrection Sunday, why has it become almost like one of my favorite Sundays? Is this the Sunday when we had completely ratified what was won for us? The price that was paid was the life of Jesus Christ on the cross. But from where we left off last um, Friday, when I gave the last word, which is into your hands, I command my spirit or commit to my spirit. I'd like you to know when you put something in the hand of the Almighty, you have no idea how exponentially that will be increased. Just that like little lad when he gave Jesus all he had. Fish, loaves of bread, fed over 5,000 people because they say 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. That's how our lives will be exponentially expanded by God, promoted by God as it were. So if you want that to happen to you today, don't let this opportunity pass you. When I say last Friday that if you don't want to believe God, you're a fool. Because it's true. I didn't say it. It was God who said it. A man who says in his heart, according to God's word, there is no God, is a fool. Look at your neighbor right now and say, don't be a fool. Whatever you do, don't be a fool, okay? At least don't be called. And if God calls you a fool, you're 100% fool. Don't think for a second that he's second-guessing you. He's absolutely sure about it. If people will call me for, I don't care, for all I care. If the whole Canada will call me a fool, thank you. But if God calls me a fool, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. And that's what he said about people who believe in their hearts that there is no God. And um, I cannot even figure it out how people can do that. The other thing, I don't know why God was asking me early this morning, discuss hell with them. I don't want it. To be honest with you, I'm keeping away from that subject matter. I'm not the kind of preacher that will be teaching you or preaching to you doom, gloom, and whatever else. I wish I could only give you good news. But part of the good news is where you were redeemed from. How will you know what victory is if you did not see and experience failure? Then you don't know the difference. By the way, I'm not mad. I'm emphatic. Huge difference, okay? Um, 
let me just give you some passages, and out of that, I'm going to create a platform. And first one is 1 Thessalonians 4.14. And it says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life. Now, this is our credence. You have to understand that. As a believer of God or of Jesus Christ, this is our credence. We know this. Not just allegedly, but we should know this by heart. We also believe that Jesus, when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Hallelujah. It's reminded me so much of my mother who died two, over two years ago. She looked at me one day and she said, why are you guys worried about me dying? I said, I won't die. Jesus will, will pick me up. will meet me in the air. Okay, she died. But I know Jesus will still pick her up and lift her up at the end of the air. And we will be all meeting together. Now, some people don't believe that. But does it mean it's not true? Like I always tell people who are being skeptical, I say, you believe? Let me just check you. I say, if you were educated well in your school. How many believe that we have oxygen right now in this room? May I see your hands, please? I'm glad. How many believe there is water in the air right now? You will educate that. Thank you. So, but can I ask you something? How did you know that? Hmm? You were t- and you just believe it? Isn't it funny? We could believe that. This pseudo-intellectuals. Saying there is no God. And yet they will believe that there is air when they cannot even see it. Hmm? How many believe you have a brain? <laughs> I don't want to say allegedly. So anyway, so um, let's, let's move on, guys. So John 2.19 is the second one that I'd like you to focus on. All right, it says, Jesus replied... Destroy this temple, he said, and in three days I'll raise it up. Well, it was in a temple that was built for about 46 years, speaking to the crowd. And he said, destroy this temple. And so immediately their puny heads were thinking, a physical temple. But Jesus was actually speaking about his body. He said, kill this body, and in three days, watch this. Because not everybody sees this. I... He said. So I started thinking. I will raise it? Do we all understand English? Yeah. What did we understand with the word I? Someone else? I want you to think about that. There are... Many times God or Jesus would speak indifferent forms, sometimes as a person, as a mankind, as a true man. At times he would speak as a true God. That's why the four Gospels 
the one that's depicting most, Jesus, Jesus' deity is John the Beloved. His emphasis on saying he's a true God. And others would be saying, the other Gospels would just say, he's a true man. But he's all those. Was he lying when he said, and I will raise it in three days? We have quarrels about these back and forth. They say, no, Jesus didn't die on a Friday. He died on a Saturday. Well, if you base it on the Jewish uh, system, yeah, they're right. Because Sabbath is basically Saturday. So meaning to say he died on a Thursday. But listen, the most important thing for me is on the third day he rose. Yeah? If Jesus did not rise from the dead, I want everybody to understand this. It's like winning a war, but you did not occupy. The ratification of every sacrifice he made for you and I, paying for your sins, dying for you, and etc., 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 will be based solely on his re- resurrection. That is the one that executes it. If you think Jesus is just twiddling his fingers in heaven right now, not doing anything, you better read your scriptures again. He's doing something for you still. He hasn't stopped working. He's interceding for you and I. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, for you. He's interceding for you. He's interceding for us. He said, that's what he does at the right hand of the Father. And I love you all to know how many are in law here. You're practicing law. Steve, why are you afraid to? Seriously. Don't be a Judas to your profession. Okay. So anyway. Um, where was I? <laughs> oh, they're practicing. I'd like you all to know. That no matter, you know, Supreme Court and everything, the highest court you have in any parts of the world or earth, whatever, is not the real highest court. There is a Supreme Court that is situated in heaven only. And it's a, that, that court is my excitement right now. Because in that court, it only favors all of us. Why? Jesus is the judge. He's the trial lawyer. He's the witness, the Holy Spirit. So all of it for us, not against us. This is why it's said in the book of Romans. If God is for us, tell me right now, who can be against you? Look at your neighbor and say, you are a big time baby in Christ. Hallelujah. You are bougie. So anyway, you're going back. Yes, you are. So remember he said on three days, did he really do it? Did he rise from the dead on the third day according to the scripture? Yes. Do I believe it? Are you joking me? I believe it. Just like I believe there's oxygen right now in this room. Um... I feel like going ahead of myself, so I will a little bit. 
the great Houdini, he promised. How many have known this? He promised something. He said he will rise from the dead. He will come back from the dead. Didn't he say that? How many have known that? Okay, that's what Houdini said. He would come back from the dead and talk to his friends. Some actually consulted mediums to see if there was at all any word from beyond the grave. I have good news for you. There was none. (laughs) There's only one man that I know in the history who made a promise that he will rise from the dead and he made it so exact. He didn't say, oh, oh, who knows for when I will come back. He said, on the third day. Isn't that funny? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Together, such consortium of power. When he gave his spirit to the Father, and the Father said, believe you me, it shall be multiplied. So when he gave that, the day come, and I'm excited about this. Oh, glory to God, Lord, contain me. Because in my heart, I am saying, because St. Paul was the one who said this. He said, the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead shall revitalize, shall liven up your mortal bodies. And I keep thinking of that. And that has happened to me. I've experienced that firsthand. When all the scientific intelligence of men had stopped and given up, the Lord stood up big and tall and he said, I'm only starting. Are you ready? They were all frustrated, angry and everything that I didn't die. You know why? They threatened the family every day. He's going to die today. He's going to die today. He's going to die today. And they got sick and tired of what they were saying. Because every time they would say, he's going to die, I will show life. And the best part is, with all the medicines they pumped into my system, 100% guaranteed my kidneys would have been busted. Liver should have been gone. My heart should have been, whoa. And if it was possible at all, they were even saying, my brain was already microwaved or fried. Because my fever didn't come down from 105 for two consecutive weeks. Say, so who wants him back? And I, I, can, I could understand the doctors because that's the first time for them. The hospital had seven doctors who were top pulmonologists of the hospital working on me. And they were not happy with that. They hired seven others that are top pulmonologists around uh, Northern California. And they were everyday meeting just about my case. And in the meantime, God was enjoying me in heaven. Well, what about me? I have more than fun and everything. I was so unhappy to be alive for the, at least when I came back for at least two years. I was not a happy camper. Because I was missing heaven so much. See, the problem with it is if, you, if you've tasted it, you'll be stupid to miss or to enjoy this world. 
when I came back, everything reversed. The natural world was the artificial world for me. And heaven was my reality. Try that. Let's see how you're going to fare. And every day you see that, you hear that and everything. There was a certain head nurse who looked at me and said, tell me, Pastor, what is it like? Describe to me. So I looked at her and I said, how much is your house you're living in? <laughs> she looked at me and said, um, she wasn't ready for that question. About, she said, because the people were listening in the room, uh, about 450000 That's when I got the house full. So uh, three years ago, and I looked at her and I said, hmm. I said, if you have a $2 billion house right now, would you still go back to your 450000 And I said, and that's just the house. What about the atmosphere? I said, I cannot, I cannot even begin to tell you. But the, mar- the most marvelous thing, I don't know how God did it to this day. He spent that much time with me for that long, That I myself began to doubt it. Like what was happening with the rest of the world where you were just convening with me all the time. And pouring all yourself on me all the time while I was there. What was happening to the rest of the world? And he brought me back to the thought, Pastor. Remember that time when Moses was segregated for one month. And all of Israel thought that he was already dead. That God had already taken him. And God said, did the whole world stop, Bobby? I said, no. He said, same thing. God is capable of doing that. The most wonderful thing about heaven is the things you were expecting, you are so wrong. And the things you never expected, the best and even the greatest is unfolding before you. The music alone when I was passing by, it was, it was not and loud and everything. No. It was so soothing. And I was in the spirit at this stage. And it was healing a lot of things inside of me. And I couldn't describe it. The longer you listen to it, the better you feel all the time. The greater the whole thing. And that's just the music again. Thank God Jesus didn't show me my mansion or I would have locked him out. (laughs) That was the plan, okay? So anyway... Because when he was begging me to come back, it was time. Guys, I'm just speaking here and there all the testimonies. He was looking at me, and I was like this little child before him. And he said, come on. Mean to say, time to return. I I enjoyed so many things, guys. So many things. May God grant me the time to share it with you one of these days. But in the meantime, you have the DVD. I left it with you. Uh, The testimonies there are very important because I gave that in front of the hospitalists and the doctors. You cannot lie. They have all the documents. The same doctors who told me that I wouldn't live and now they saw me living. They even said to me, if anybody would doubt whatever you have gone through, we have the entire filing cabinet to bury them in of your records. So I said, okay. But I'm not relying on that. I'm relying on what really happened inside of me. Because that's the only permanent one you can have in your life. Today, I want you to have that experience. 
a permanent heaven inside of you. Not because you deserve it. Let's begin with that. None of us deserves heaven. Are you all aware of that? I love it when God told me one day, you did not choose me. I chose you. I love it when he said to me one day, Pastor, you didn't love me first. So just in case you think you're so great because you love me. He said, I loved you first. Because it is written, in case you haven't read that, for God so loved you. You were not deserving when he gave it to you. I wasn't. None of us. And yet he gave it. But that's the one that I would like to discuss with you. This one last thing that I would like to give you is a scripture. And tell me if, okay. Um, he went like this. So that means 15 minutes. So, so Romans, Romans 4.25. It says, uh, guys, I want you to understand this carefully, okay? He was handed over to die because of our sins. That's the plan of the Father. There was a story I gave you last Friday about the sacrifice of this dad. And sorry, I didn't finish the whole story there, but I will finish it now. So the father was looking at the boy who was saved, who was non-Christian, and who was the best friend of his son, who he sacrificed just so he could save this boy. And then when the boy asked the father, and he's like, why did you choose me? Why not your son? And the father said, because that's what he wants. I'd like you to know that boy repented and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And the story goes on. Sometimes that's very hard to take. But imagine God the Father gave up his only one for you and for me. If you don't call that love, I will never know what love is. But today, I want to know what love is. For you and for me. Here he said, this is love. He handed over him to die. Not because we were so super righteous. Not because we were so attractive. Not because we were so intelligent. Not because we were so rich or poor or what. But he simply loves us. That's it. Take it or leave it. That was big. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. If Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, we will be hopeless people. There will be no sanctification for us. Because we still fail. How many have not committed any wrong the whole week? Raise your hands. Now watch this, Pastor. Watch behind you. Anybody? Can you imagine a pastor? Not one. We all do. But the sacrifice Jesus made guarantees you and I to be exonerated from all of them. If we recognize it, if we confess it, he said he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm speaking to the Christians who are condemning themselves. May God grant me 
my prayer today. My prayer was, Lord, I don't want to pass on any condemnation on any heart. Because condemnation brings about guilt. And it was for guilt that you died on the cross. The guilt of our sin. There's no point being guilty right now. Feeling guilty, being feeling condemned. What I would like you to have is the conviction. Choosing the right thing. The right thing to do. The right decision to do. Everybody thinks. Everybody's so afraid. A lot of people are denying hell for one simple reason. They're afraid of it. If you will tell me about hell, I will look at you with smiles in my face because I know he spared me from that. He already paid. That's already covered totally. I don't have to pay for that. Somebody did for me. Somebody went to hell for me. I'm not worried about it, but I could imagine if I was a sinner, how I would feel about hell. And a lot of people say, it's not in the scripture. I can show it to you where it is. How many would like to see it? You want to see where hell is in the scripture? And I will begin even in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Isaiah. Sister, will you bring it up, please? And I will slightly touch on that. And then I will pass on the mic to our dear pastor to give you an opportunity. To grab what God is offering you this morning. Here it says. Uh, and as they go out. They will see the dead bodies of those. Who have rebelled against me. By definition. Sin is otherwise known as rebellion. Is that understood? For the worms that devour them. Will never die. Somebody was sent to hell. I didn't go to hell. Not that I would like to, really, but, um, or even visit it. But he showed me a telescopic, uh, what he called this vision of the other side of heaven. And I saw what hell was like and the agony of the ones that were there, except that he turned their faces into a, um, what do you call this, uh, insect again. Um, not grasshopper, the other one. Uh, uh, I used to play with them when I was a kid. No, uh, um, the one, that, the one that flies like this. <laughs> dragonflies. There you go. How many have? Uh, how many have tried catching dragonflies? If you did not, you never lived your life. Okay, so. So what I was saying is, they, he turned all their faces into dragonflies, and that's what happened. I'm going to tell you another time, but here, let me just finish, because I saw the five minutes. So, the question is, who's five minutes? <laughs> so anyway, and the fire that burns them will never go out. Guys, let's tell. That's in the book of, um, that's in the book of uh, Isaiah. That's in the Old Testament. It's otherwise known as Hades. And some people I have met, they don't want to believe. They said, no, Satan is not in the Old Testament. I said, are you joking me? Where were you? It's in the book of Job. Shall we show them so they'll be educated? One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. 
the accuser, Satan. In Hebrew, it says, Ha-Satan. Ha-Satan. It's funny how the word H, that's what we say in England, but then in America we say H. So the word H there is normally representing the Ruha, which is the Spirit of God. One day I had an argument with somebody, not really an argument, just a discussion. They said they, they couldn't believe our faith because we have a multiple God. I said, what do you mean multiple God? I said, well, you're talking about son and then you have the father. I said, we believe in one God, but there are three in one. I said, just like you, you have a brain, yeah? What do you call your brain? Mine? Mm-hmm. What's in, what's in your mind is your will, your emotions and everything that's covered by your soul. I said, and your spirit, allegedly, okay, you have a spirit. And now finally, you are in the flesh, but you're one. Remember, he made us according to his image. I want you all to understand this is true. It's really happening. Let's read it. Uh, moving along. Satan is not your friend, by the way, okay? Just in case you don't know. Where, he said, where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling. Wow. Patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Moving along. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? Job is known as the oldest book in the Old Testament. He is the finest man in all the earth. You see how God is so proud of us all the time? Look at your neighbor and say, he's proud of you. Tell them that. He's proud of you. You're the only one who's not proud of yourself, okay? Um, he is the finest man in all the earth. In all the earth? Wow. And why was that? Let's check it. He is blameless. A man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Sounds like us, huh? How come you're not answering? Anyway. Satan replied to the Lord. Yes. But Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him. Remember he's the accuser of the brethren. His home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Again, in what? Say it with me, everything. Isn't this the, one of the promises of God for you and I? Just in case you don't know it, it's part of your uh, inheritance, okay? Look how rich he is. Wow. Moving along. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. You know Job remained faithful until the end. And whatever he lost. Actually, where, which verse was that? I finished that. And God said, all right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses. But don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. I want you all to know that this enemy 
Jesus spoke about. He said, Satan, he mentioned him again in the New Testament. And he was talking to the Jews at that time. He said, Satan came but for to steal, to kill, to destroy. How many of you would like to abolish Satan's rulership forevermore? Vanquish the guy. Tell him to get out of your life. Because you have the power. You have a resurrected God who will make sure it's ratified for you right in heaven. For everything that you say, for all the promises of God in the scripture will find their answer. Yes. And amen. That's what the word says. I didn't say it. That's good news. I'm going to pass this on to our pastor to give you an opportunity. Remember, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. And it wasn't the pastor who was offering it, but Jesus. If he will stand in front of you right now, which he is, I know he's here. I know him. I know him. He's here. You have no idea how many angels are here right now. When I preached in Guadalajara last week, I said, you have no idea. He said, how, how, rejo- how much rejoicing is happening in heaven. He said, When Canada became a nation, when America became a nation, or got their independence, when, I said, Mexico got their independence, not one angel was jumping up and down. But listen to me, I said, for one soul, hallelujah, to enter into the kingdom of God. The word was myriads upon myriads, and that means millions times millions are jumping up and And as soon as I said that, I heard in the spirit the rumbling. And I couldn't understand what it was. But it was almost like suddenly I heard the rumbling of the spirit. And then I heard the thud in front of me. But it was like Matrix. How many have seen Matrix? Again, if you haven't seen it, you haven't lived your life, okay? So, boom, I thought it was in front of me. And I went, oh. and, and And I just continued. But it was almost like a slow mo thing like that. And then I continued on. And then after that, listen to this. One of the missionaries came up to me and said, Pastor, I was interceding while you were there. And when you were inviting people, you were talking about the assurance that they have in Christ. He said, I saw a gigantic golden sword fell in front of you. Landed in front of you. And I said, Lord, what was that? But I did. Remember, I said I felt the thug. And God said, When you spoke my word, because it was a village, Pastor. When you spoke my word, He said, I am a territorial God. I right there and then established my word. This village is mine. That's what He said. And I got a call again from another country. And they just said, I, where are you guys? I said, we're in Guadalajara. And this is what they said. We just saw a sword coming down from heaven. And you know when things like that happen, you just go, what? But this is natural, ladies and gentlemen. When supernatural becomes ordinary for us. If you want this to happen to you, then bring the author of the supernatural into your life today.